I feel like I wouldn't need to shoot one of them. You could just pick one up and put it in a deep fryer. <laughs> yeah, they don't even fight you. They'll help you pick the feathers off. There are good movies and there are great movies. But that's not what we watch here because this is shitty cinema. Brother! We are three film masochists, brother, who love to take on the worst movies we can find. Centered around our monthly theme to answer one simple question. Would you watch it again? I'm Jay, and I'm joined by Dave. Hello. And Casey. Sunnin is back in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Every week, one of us has to pick a movie based on that month's theme. What's this month's theme, Dave? This month, I hope you've been washing out for crop circles or lights in the skies. Protect your buttholes because the theme of the month is don't get probed. I know what I saw. And I saw your butthole. Unprotected, Dave. Uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty shitty of you to tell other people how to live. I'm keeping it tight, all right? We're clenched say up. that you weren't. Last week, we watched Abduction from 2019, not 2011, no matter how hard Google tried to shove us towards the other one. I kind of want to watch that one now just no. to see. No! Well, we didn't watch that this week. Casey, what did you bring for us? So since season six has started, I've noticed a big trend in watching Jay's childhood movies. This week, I brought something mm. I've never seen, but I have heard Jay threaten to bring many, many times over to us from 1991 Suburban Commandos starring Hulk Hogan, Christopher Lloyd, Shelley fucking Long. Hate this trend. I Hate this trend so much. Listen, I don't let, know. Me, let me just frame a quick genealogy for you. Suburban Commando came out. I watched the piss out of this movie a ton of times, uh -huh. and The Demolition Man came out. And it's basically the adult version of Suburban Commando. Which is why I watched the piss out of that. This explains a whole lot of me. I loved both those movies. Two of my it's favorite. Kind of all like time. meeting his parents for the first time, being like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> this is where he gets it from." This is what shaped me. Yeah, I can see that. Listen, Casey, we can bicker all day, but we're gonna need an elevator pitch where you sell us on this movie in ten seconds or less. Here's your setup. It's 1989, and you're walking down the street when suddenly inspiration strikes you. The perfect movie is taking shape, but also it's suddenly dark. Like maybe because inspiration is the name of the skateboard that just beamed you in the head Ow. that Hulk Hogan had thrown from a few blocks away. So in the 10 seconds before you lose consciousness, sell us on this movie. Hulk Hogan needs a vacation from his vacation when he ends up saving suburbia and ruining Christopher Lloyd's life. Six seconds. That was a crisp elevator pitch for you, Casey. I'm agreeing on the ruining Christopher Lloyd's life. Like, <laughs> yeah, he got him fired from his job. Right. His like, wife you... has no job. He's leaving, so now they have no tenant. Right. His kids still suck. Let's all try to avoid getting probed while we go over the movie that Shitty Cinema watched. Suburban Commando begins with Hulk Hogan's character, intergalactic do-gooder Shep Ramsey, assaulting a Star Destroyer. Yeah, did they take that footage directly from New Hope? Like, it was... It's the Millennium Falcon anyway. Straight up. Straight up. But, okay, in this version, Shep blows up the Star Destroyer and then needs to lay low for a while so his ship can power up because it got damaged in the process. He lands on Earth and finds a shed turned Airbnb, which 
to be honest, 1991, you have predicted 20 years in the future. 100%. Right. Like, 30. We, call them, <laughs> we call them accessory 30. dwelling units now, and they're legally questionable, but yeah, that's. You get your own space, but you have to shit where we shit. Right? Did they run plumbing out there, or did they just give him a Oh, bucket? hell no. <laughs> no, let's let's talk about that later, because I have feelings. Gotta... So it's just an alien fish out of water comedy where Shep is the tough guy and Christopher Lloyd, the meek landlord, Charlie, gets a glow up. Is that is that what I'm going for here? He's not the landlord. He's the pillow princess. His wife is the landlord. Shelley Duvall is the landlord. That's fair. That's fair. The entire reason Charlie's shed is turned into an Airbnb is because his wife knows he's too afraid to ask for a raise. And, well, they got bills to pay. I mean, his boss is Jedi level at dodging conversations. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk, talk about him later. Casting, God damn. Larry yes. Miller kills that. Yeah, Larry Miller's fantastic. Charlie is just immediately paranoia levels of suspicious about his new tenant, Shep. Okay, Dave, I'm gonna push back and say I don't think he's paranoid. I think if a six foot seven man was living in my shed and he's 320 pounds, I'm probably going to go through his shit to see what he's going to kill us with in our sleep. Fair, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Did you see him at the dinner table? Like, dude is obviously going to go get some masculine and come home and murder us. Okay, to be fair, a six foot seven, 300-pound man requires a lot of fuel. That's a lot of body to fucking fuel, man. He raids the room, discovering Shep's laser gun, which he just pulls the trigger on inside. To be fair, it does look like a toy. The laser gun doesn't only damage his property, but also alerts two real greasy and mean-looking bounty hunters to Shep's location. While Shep is out involving himself in every conflict that occurs in earshot, no matter how big or small. He's not good at resting. It's that Protestant work ethic. And Charlie's following him around not resting like a fucking creeper. I mean, he has nothing else to do. Shelley Duvall turned his one respite from the world right. and into Hulk Hogan's This man just moved shed. into a shed and immediately started involving himself in the personal lives of every neighborhood child. You are correct to be <laughs> Yeah, follow him. Shep ends up leading Charlie back to where his ship is stored. After Shep leaves, Charlie hops in and plays a little vroom vroom in the spaceship, and I am not going to judge him for that. No, totally. I understand that impulse. Yeah. Charlie also loses another one of Shep's weapons because he plays dress-up with Shep's power armor. It's nice that he saves a woman from being assaulted. This is a good impulse, I guess. Yeah. But the assaulters then make off with the magic freeze gun and use it to rob a bank. So, like, poor follow-through. So now Shep and Charlie have to stop the bank robbery. All the use of the freeze gun has let the bounty hunters zero in on Shep, and they arrive just in time trying to kill him. Shep, however, makes off with a frozen Charlie, whom he recruits to now steal some crystals from Charlie's shithead boss. Now, the boss is so bad, but also so amazing, but also very irrelevant. So we're, we're just not going to talk about him much now, but we are absolutely going to talk about him later. The bounty hunters finally show up while Shep and Charlie are grabbing the crystals and a fight ensues. Shep manages to defeat the bounty hunters, returning to his ship, having decided he's going to leave now, and sends Charlie home to verify that Shep didn't forget any more laser guns under the cushions or something. Shep did forget that the Star Destroyer he blew up in the beginning didn't kill the big bad guy, who's called the Alien Sutor. 
I mean, that's not how forgetting works. He just, he thought he was dead. Well, semantics aside, Dave, Souter takes Charlie's family hostage. They drive to Shep, who offers himself up if Shooter lets Charlie and his family go. Souter takes this deal for whatever insane reason, while Shep secretly sets the self-destruct on his ship. At the last minute, Charlie drives through a wall, manages to get himself and Shep out, and the ship explodes, killing Souter and wrapping everything up pretty nicely. They they really put a bow on everything. Hold on, hold on. One or two more last things, Dave. Like, Shep takes the bounty hunter ship and the nice lady he met at Charlie's office. And secondly, the film takes time to wrap up every B, C, D, E, and F plot. Yeah, did you wonder what those kids from the first act were doing? Me neither, but they're going to tell us. (laughs) I was so curious. I'm almost impressed with the willingness of Suburban Commando to close every fucking thing that I didn't remember. For example, in when he gets to Earth, one of the first things he does is has a run-in with a child and his skateboard where he mm-hmm. th- chucks the skateboard into fucking space, like into outer space to where the bounty hunters pass it on their way to Earth. And then at the end of the movie, he shows off skateboarding to this kid because we needed a scene where he was like, oh, I couldn't skateboard at the beginning of the film, but now I can do a bunch of tricks. As a former server, I have often wanted to throw children's toys into space. I get that. Fidget sure. spinners, Reasonable. cell phones that they won't move <laughs> off the fucking table while you have a flaming hot plate. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go on Team Hulkster on this one. Of yeah. Yes, absolutely. But... As as we see it in the movie, he's not like a server that these kids... These kids were just out enjoying their skateboards in public. And Hulk rolled up on them and intruded on them, which, number one, dude, don't don't go talk to strange children. Come on. Let me ask you a question. Have either one of you seen your dads or your moms hurt themselves on something of yours and then take it out on that something of yours. It was definitely accurate. Absolutely. So, like, it's a very parent reaction, 80s parent reaction to just go absolutely ape shit and not give a fuck who you freak out about it. Fair. It usually is the toy gets destroyed and then i also get let's, in trouble okay no let's yes. let's not let's not parentify anything it's a human reaction to fail <laughs> at a thing and want to destroy that object and as okay, children see? we didn't process that yet that our parents right, were well, mad at hulk, us in our things hulk is an alien and he's acting very human so wait is that the lesson i'm supposed to take is that even very alien creatures might just be like me and yeah. rage want to rage murder shit they don't understand. Celebrities, they're just like us. They go to gas stations. Okay, so I guess him him destroying the skateboard kind of checks out. I'm still a little iffy on him involving himself in the first place, and I do want to point out that like that skateboard does make it into space. We see it in space. Stuff doesn't stop yeah. moving in space. Hulk Hogan just really fucked up something's day somewhere else in the universe. I want to see the sequel like burn up in an orbit. 50 million years in the future where it smashes into some alien space technology like station and cracks a hole. in it. Just just like snipes some alien president. Right. As it crashes through their space station. We get a montage of them like studying it over a 15 year period to identify the point of origin and coming for the kid. 
Oh, who's long since dead because yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, time's a bitch. Dead, very dead but, now. Man, okay, is this Suburban Commando 2? Because I'm in for it already. All right, who's playing Hulk Hogan? Oh, man. Dave Batista. Oh, my uh, God, yes. Is he playing yeah. Hulk Hogan? Yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah. The, Whoever yes, we get is yes. playing Hulk Hogan. He's going in Hulk Hogan face, which is brown, <laughs> <laughs> brown, yellow, orange. Let's just get this out of the way. I don't like going back to all these movies from my childhood because I don't like being reminded how much of my childhood was commercials I begged to pay for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And Suburban Commando is the commercialist of all the commercials from my childhood. (laughs) No, absolutely not. I mean, for one, it's not like everything we loved from the 80s. G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man was just commercials. It was buy toys. Buy toys. And it worked brilliantly. I, I was super into action figures. I don't know why. I there's I can't figure it out. Turtles, Ninja Turtles, right? Like, no. I have no clue where my love of action figures came from. But yeah, uh, it, the, maybe the, like, constant bombarding of commercials. No. Next Couldn't question. Be. Preposterous. One of the most upsetting parts of this movie for me is its need to show every single fucking detail of every single scene. And the one that annoyed me the most is when Charlie discovers the laser gun in the shed. Because we, yes, you want to show, not tell, but they show us Shep taking the laser gun out and they show us Charlie seeing that. And they show us Shep putting the laser gun under his bed and they show us Charlie seeing that. And they show us Shep walking out of the shed and they show us Charlie going into the shed and they show us Charlie pulling the laser gun out and they show us Charlie playing around no. with the like you can skip some of these. This is no, been you're two the one that's always long. yelling, show, don't tell. And when they do it, what do you do, you bitch, David? What it was it gonna take to make you happy? Not spending two minutes on what I already know the scene's doing. Yeah, I mean to be fair, that could be a very clean scene where you just show him seeing him hiding, and then cut to him Hulk walking out the door, and then cut to him cut cut back to Charlie already having it in his hand. We hear a door close as he walks into scene. Like right, honestly, I was never happy when Christopher Lloyd was on screen. I, his character was not sympathetic. I hated him. He was just a bumblefuck of Blasphemy. a character. This motherfucker is welding skateboards back together before breakfast. Yeah, I... He's putting in work, man. I think that there is... Charlie just doesn't really get developed at all because they really give us some interesting stuff to start with and to end with, and everything in between is nothing, and so the ending doesn't feel earned. It feels scripted, right? Because we get this interesting view of him welding skateboards in the morning and like having this passion and then being really good at his job but also getting shit on by his boss sort of stands up for himself but we don't he doesn't really earn do anything in the middle to earn that 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 feeling that he has changed it's more like a exhaustion mania and i could see the next day charlie coming back and begging for his fucking job because they didn't show me him growing I think it'd be better if he did a George Costanza and just showed up Monday and pretended like nothing Pretended happened. none of that had ever <laughs> happened. 
and, and, okay and the reason like his character doesn't get developed and the reason that they show us every single detail of every scene and the reason that it's so predictable of their plot lines is because it's a fucking kids movie yes we're not the target audience we're the, like, this isn't complex no, enough for not. me no we were a very long time ago and we should not be revisiting it <laughs> no we are our parents age this is what we did to our parents Oh, my parents are so lucky. I, they got to watch so many great they owe movies. They you a thank you <laughs> right. card, honestly. I know. I know. Listen, you you brought up you brought up Christopher Lloyd being steamrolled by his boss. We need to talk about his boss. Yeah. AKA the dad from 10 Things I Hate About You. Larry Miller. So, I like to pretend that Larry Miller was talking about in this film Christopher Lloyd has it all cuz he's got a family and children. And I think after Hulk Hogan ruined his life, Larry Miller decided to start a family, and that's his family and 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> you Love know what? That actually works. Like, because his character in 10 Things I Hate About You is not a far cry from, from who this you know, character could a be. Slightly more reasonable version of this character. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. He goes in, in the medical field. Larry Miller's character in this movie is uh, the boss at the architecture firm, I guess. Yes. I the, think that's, I, that's what, what I got. Is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unclear. They make buildings and stuff. Uh, and really, Christopher Lloyd's biggest failing at the beginning of the movie is that he's underpaid, basically, and he can't get his boss to give him a raise. And in very few scenes where we see his boss, Larry Miller, it is very obvious why. This man's performance as a sleazy boss <laughs> is out of this world phenomenal in so yes. little screen time. Yeah. He sells every bit of his character perfectly. Larry Miller is never not on fire when he's on screen. If you, like, I, chewing the scenery is not enough. He's burning the scenery down around him and dominating it with his performance. And I absolutely was just engrossed in him being a sleazy shitbag. Yeah, it was When it the was... universe opens a door, Larry closes every <laughs> single one of them. Like he does everything else. Always be closing. It's it's just a really phenomenal performance. The best jokes of the movie are when the Japanese business partners show yes. up. <laughs> and he's be and he's doing a bunch of very racist shit towards them. And we get subtitles of them going, oh, I hate this guy already. Shit. Yeah. Wow. I know I'm going to hate this guy already. Tell him he's like a son of a bitch. So the interpreter is like, oh, he's really excited to meet you. And the businessman's like, you fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it comes to the point where Larry has to vamp overnight. It starts <laughs> at a... At, Starts at a cocktail party. We assume like nine, ten o'clock at night. Christopher Lloyd said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be right up to explain the explain all the plans to him. I just got to run down to my car." Goes on a whole ass adventure. Gets his kids kidnapped. Saves the world. Kills a man in his own home. Yada yada yada. The yes, sun is up. Larry Miller is still explaining shit to these Japanese business people when he knows Not nothing. It, it would it would be like He's me explaining. It would be like me explaining how a business works. It comes back to Larry in the morning going, and uh, you may have heard of an actor named Raymond Burr, uh, also in Godzilla. Are you kidding me? <laughs> also in Mothra. Everything. He is everything in this film. 
I refuse to believe that the majority of his dialogue in this movie was scripted. Because yeah, no. most of the jokes are pretty fucking slow in this movie. It's a lot oh, of yeah. very yeah. slow back and forth, obvious dialogue. And Larry mm-hmm. Miller's mouth is just going in every scene. So I think he just <laughs> got the gist of what they wanted and then just filled vamp, vamp, for time. Vamp, vamp. He owned it because I think you're right, Dave. A lot of the other jokes are lobbed at us like softballs. They come very slowly and they're very obvious and they get punctuated cleanly. We also get repeat jokes like the mime abuse where the Hulk meets oh. a mime trapped in an invisible oh. box and punches him out. He's like, oh, buddy, you're stuck in a force field? Let me help and knocks him out. And when the guy comes to, he's like, oh, I should have stuck to juggling. And every time Hulk sees the mime, he terrorizes him accidentally. And they don't want you to miss that. We keep coming back to that again and again. Yeah. I'm really curious what Dave felt about the mime joke because I, I think he has feelings. Yeah, the first time through when he punched through the mime force field and knocked the guy out, funny. When the I camera, so hard. When the camera panned down to him sitting up like Bugs Bunny and going, I should have stayed a juggler. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> not so much, not enjoying the joke so much anymore. And when we do it a second and third time, definitely not. But eh, again, kids movie. Shit. I I don't know the third either. The third time kind of went full Family Guy back around for me. Like it was yeah. so dumb that I was like, ah. <laughs> Plus, there's something about watching a mime get hit. Yeah, Is it because they're like cousins to clowns? <laughs> yeah, I I think everybody agrees that nobody respects mimes. Right. I mean, at least clowns have jokes. Right. Okay, one of the reoccurring characters slash jokes I actually enjoyed was Colonel Dusty McGall, the alcoholic former Marine, I guess, that sits in a Jeep that's been converted into a planter in his front yard and just drinks whiskey all day and heckles the neighbors. Respect, you can't get a DUI in a planter. You can (laughs) just heckle people if you want. I love that for him. Yeah. Okay. Was, so was he just a, a neighbor of Christopher Lloyd? Yes. yes. This is what I love about the city is that you can have really wild eccentric neighbors like that, that sit in their planter. Like I want to do nothing more than spend my days getting lectured and then sitting and drinking with Colonel Dusty in his fucking Jeep planter. Yeah. I've had way worse neighbors than that. Right. hundred percent. I've been a worse neighbor than that. <laughs> Tell me you don't just want to hang out with this guy all the time. Imagine I mean, the he commentary. Also delivers you would get. The you sometimes you gotta lose to win. And the second they fucking said that, I'm like, the Hulk is gonna have to repeat that oh, yeah. of his aha moment oh, yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not looking forward to it. And he, he calls Christopher Lloyd a pussy for not starting a fight with four guys that would absolutely destroy him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted something entertaining today. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're going for, Colonel Dusty, but come on, they they would eat him. <laughs> the hillbilly gearheads? Because yeah. they have one of my, my favorite jokes in the movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the hillbilly gearheads that live next door to Christopher Lloyd are almost a fun recurring bit in the movie um mostly in the fact that they refuse to move their expensive roadster cars out of the way for him and he's forced to you know park somewhere else or whatever waka waka 
And they laugh as though it's fucking hilarious. Like, they are, this is the funniest shit anyone has ever done. Yeah. Well, they're drunk. Except uh, for the fact that one of their, like, really expensive, apparently, cars gets blown up when Christopher Lloyd pulls the trigger on the laser gun in the shed. And the movie never shows us any reaction to this whatsoever. No reaction. Ever. They're just ever. out there the next day wrenching on another one. They're like Didn't video game notice. NPCs that have not had anything scripted for this. <laughs> The car just respawns and they go back to work. They do subvert expectations when they get into an altercation with Hulk and instead of fighting him, threaten to sue him because it's the fucking 90s. And I love that. That was a great job. I mean, that hit me when I was a kid and it still hit me now. Jay had really strong feelings watching the first day that the Hulk stays home and Shelley Duvall is, which I want to talk about her and gainful employment in a little bit, but he stays home. Please is hanging out with Shelley Duvall, and the mail gets dropped off. And Jay made extra special sure to watch that scene again when I watch the movie. Would you like to explain yourself? Yeah, I'll try. So the setup here is it's another fish-out-of-water scene. There's a mailman dropping mail through the door slot, and Hulk doesn't know how to react and goes and attacks him. Except I want to know... What kind of fucking deranged mailman has five letters for someone and puts them in the slot one at a goddamn time <laughs> as slowly as possible? Seriously. The real explanation is it's it's a movie and they didn't think about that and they just wanted it. <laughs> but the real world explanation would be what kind of mailman does this? This is a mailman who if he if it takes him six and a half hours to do his route, he gets paid for the full eight and goes home. And really, he has about a five-hour route currently. <laughs> so he's just yep. making it work on a daily basis to get him there. Just milking that last little bit. Shelley Duvall, let, listen, absolute queen, first and foremost. Secondly, she was so far ahead of her time in this film because in a single fucking day, she turned a welding workshop shed into a livable space. Like, yeah. This is what Extreme Makeover was took two weeks to do. Correct. Eat my whole ass. Shelly Duvall can do it in a work day. Yeah, yes. Her, By herself. Right. Her DIY game is pretty fucking immaculate Unmatched. for what she's able to get done. Right. And there was only a couple things she couldn't move out, like some like standing machines, which Hulk ended up moving out later anyway because he was just bench, like he was wait, working out with them. Imagine them together. What a fucking dream team. But I their their issue is that they have a monetary problem, right? They need to make more money. Maybe if one of them needs to stay home, Charlie should stay home and Shelly Duvall should go fucking work because clearly she's a goddamn worker. savant. Also, like, <clears throat> so it's implied when his children are yelling at him that they're late. That he also takes them to school. So, like, what is she doing all day? Watching Oprah. Getting tail, honey. From the mailman. From the mailman, from whoever Oh, maybe she he wants. puts them in slowly, and if she grabs his hand yeah. while he's putting them in, it's an indication that her husband isn't home. It's an invitation for him to come in. It's a they fuck. That fills the extra time in the route. Hole. Boom! Emphasis on Phil. What's she doing all day? She's doing fucking crafting project. How do you think she got through this remodel in an eight-hour work day? 
plus commute. Like this bitch is putting in shop hours every single week. Fair enough. But I do fully support her going out and finding like, I don't know, a part time job to alleviate their financial problems rather than, you know, unilaterally deciding to take out the one thing that brings her husband joy in his life at the start of the film. It's true. Like, that's the one thing we know about his character is that he loves this shop so much that he would rather go weld something than fuck his wife when he comes home after a long day. He said, I just want to go in there and hit something. I'm like, Shelly, you trying to get that? You and your kids trying to get that? (laughs) If man wants to go hit something and he found something inanimate to do, leave it. Girl. I mean, but it also could be like, he's going to fuck me one way or another. So I'm getting rid of that machine shop. He's going to have to pound it. I thought the wig was an interesting choice for Shelly. I was very confused because I'm like, when I was making popcorn and walked by the screen, I I swear to God, she had like her thin bun hair up. Yeah. Where did she get this share hair? And then I was like, oh, it's a wig. Yeah, but apparently her and Christopher Lloyd are really into role play. God bless them. I have some interesting thoughts about Suburban Commando. So one thing, this was originally pitched for Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. But they instead went off and did twins. However, maybe there's a world where Shep is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger and Charlie is played by Danny DeVito. And I don't know how that version of this film turns out. Danny DeVito plays Shelley Duvall's character. (laughs) Okay, but in that world... Did Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd make twins instead? I hope so. God, I hope so. God, I hope so. What earth is that? 65? I was a bit of a wrestling fan when I was younger. And this has both Hulk Hogan, which is one of my favorite wrestlers, and one of my other favorite wrestlers of all time, who's The Undertaker. I was like, what the fuck? Watching this. I'm like, is that the fucking Undertaker? I'm like, no, no. And then Casey looked it up, and it is. So it turns out that part of the original motivation for this was because No Holds Barred was so successful and they brought the villain from that into the WWE to fight Hulk Hogan. They wanted to have another movie where Hulk fought the villain and then the villain came into the WWF and fought Hulk again. And so Undertaker had already been signed by the WWF when he was in this movie. And so that was the idea, but it never took off which is great because we fortunately got one of the greatest fucking characters in wrestling history the undertaker but the original option was to bring his bounty hunter like character in for hulk to fight in the fucking so ring was he always going to be dubbed by a child in the ring because i don't know a child's voice yeah. in this film he's like no I'm wonder you guys never talk also the <laughs> other bounty hunter was in um that cynthia rothrock movie we watched Oh, really? Yeah, he's been in like three movies we've seen for shitty cinema. That's amazing. Well, it's time to grab our gun-wielding secretary and go back to our own planet. So I need to know, Jay, from 1991, Suburban Commando starring Sir... No, he's not a Sir. He's kind of a piece of shit. But uh, (laughs) starring Hulk Hogan, would you watch it again? He's kind of not a good guy. Absolutely not. One of my, absolutely not. My favorite Christmas movie (laughs) 
<laughs> happens to star Hulk Hogan. And that's Santa with muscles. It's the greatest Christmas movie I've ever seen. I enjoy wrestlers in films. And this delivers in that regard. To be honest with you, I loved this movie when I was a kid. I was a little scared to watch this because I didn't know how it was going to hold up. And in many ways, it's worse than what I remembered. Yeah. But I also found myself laughing and having fun with it. And I genuinely enjoyed the experience of watching it again. The characters are ridiculous. It's so kind of absurd that it cheesy that it works for me. And I had fun. I'm not going to like run out and watch it, but I'm probably going to pop it on once a year and enjoy another run through of Hulk Hogan as Suburban Commando. So absolutely, yes, I will watch Suburban Commando again. But Dave, what about you? 1991 Suburban Commando, would you watch it again? You know, in, in a lot of ways, this podcast is the perfect spot f- to talk about Suburban Commando. Um, <laughs> one, because I know both Jay and I watched this movie a lot as children in the VHS era. And two, because our elevator pitch where we write the general premise of the movie is about as much writing as went into this movie <laughs> itself. It's some of the most predictable plots and dialogue you will ever see in a film. Ah, there is some stuff in here that's really fun. Larry Miller's performance as the evil boss in a very few yes. scenes is just top shelf. Mm-hmm. But overall, I was really bored while watching most of this movie, and I don't like knowing what's going to happen and then waiting this long for it to happen. So, no, I'm probably not going to watch Suburban oh. Commando again. Cross off another Hulk Hogan property from my childhood. We'll, we'll <laughs> kill all of them one by one. But, Casey, you brought this upon us this week. This was your first time seeing it. So without yes. the nostalgia goggles, 1991 Suburban Commando, would you watch it again? So I didn't know what to expect for this. Um, I thought it was going to be more taking place in outer space. I didn't know he, it was a fish out of water. Like, he comes here. Um, I got to be honest. I was delighted watching this movie. <laughs> the The first mime bit absolutely killed me. It was slow to start until he got to Earth and like after I think after Christopher Lloyd started fucking around with this stuff and like fired a hole in the wall. After that point in the movie, the first like twenty minutes, it starts to pick up a lot more. And it was dumb and it was predictable and fun, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I would I would watch this again. I love you. You're amazing. It's so it's just it's innocent. It's really fucking innocent in a great way. So yeah, I would watch it again. Shockingly, two out of three of us would watch this again. Dave is staying strong and saying no. But I was I, for sure it was just gonna be me saying yes. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know going in. And then after the first watch, I was like, yeah, I think I like that. But Dave, you're going to switch it up. Maybe change heads on the probe for Don't Get Probe Month. What are you bringing? Something that spins? Something that like hums Yankee Doodle Dandy into my butthole? What are we doing? I am bringing something a little bit different. I'm going with a film from 1985 that flopped when it initially came out, but eventually went on to be something of a uh, cult phenomenon, if not classic. Uh, Very generically named Life Force. I will let you know it's based on a book that was titled, uh, the much more descriptive, Space Vampires. So... Oh! Okay. I hope they're sparkly. 
I don't think Doubtful. they're sparkly site, but we're going to find out. Well, don't forget to pack your garlic in your adult diapers. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Casey.Cinema. Like us on Facebook, sh.ttycinema. Donate to our Muscle Milk Fund at Patreon slash ShittyCinema or PapeShittyCinema.com. Check the show notes for those links. And in the meantime, let's turn off the lights. Go through Hulk Hogan's stuff. Is that gone? Yeah, I'm probably report it. Honestly, don't, <laughs> don't try to save some. Report that. You're going to save more people. Huh?